Good morning. I call the San Francisco Department of Disability and Aging Services Commission meeting to order um, of Wednesday, September 7, 2022. I'm the DOS Commission President, Martha Knudsen. This commission meeting is being conducted pursuant to the provisions of the Brown Act and recent executive orders issued by the governor to facilitate teleconferencing to reduce the risk of COVID-19 transmission at public meetings. Ordinarily, the Brown Act sets strict rules for teleconferencing. The governor recently signed a new amendment to the Brown Act to allow continued use of teleconferencing for public meetings during a state of emergency, provided that commissions such as ours make certain findings. To comply with this legal requirement, items five and six on this morning agenda is the request to consider whether continued use of teleconferencing will minimize health risks and whether our commission is able to use teleconferencing in a manner that allows public participation and transparency. As noted on the agenda, members of the public may observe this teleconference meeting via sfgovtv.org and sfgovtv channel 78, and they may offer public comment by calling the published public comment phone number. I'd like to welcome the members of the public and the staff who are watching us live on sfgovtv, and I want to especially thank uh, the person who was so uh, nobly and courageously <laughs> trying to get us going this morning, and also our commission secretary for working with him and thank you everyone for holding on because we've now moved to a different commission room which is an upgrade we're in room 400 we've got great bikes and uh, we're ready to go but I wanted to uh, extend my appreciation for all that went into making that happen this morning um, the Commission asks and thanks you for your patience during these unprecedented times. We respectfully ask the public to have patience, expect delays and gaps during the meeting, particularly during public comment, and, and sometimes other times. To eliminate background interference, all panelists and presenters that are presenting via WebEx are asked to mute themselves when not speaking or waiting to present. The San Francisco HSA DOS Commission acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and the relatives of the Ramatush Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Uh, Secretary, can you please take the roll? Thank you, Pre President Knudsen. Commissioners, please respond with President, President when I call your name. President Martha Knudsen. Here. <laughs> Vice President Janet Spears. Present. Commissioner Sasha Bittner. Present. Commissioner Wanda Zhang. Present. Commissioner Nelson Lum. Present. Commissioner Barbara Sklar has an excused absence. And Executive Director Kelly Dearman. Present. President Knudsen, we have a quorum. Great. Thank you so much. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead. The commissioners, the next item, item three, is communications. We'd like to provide further instructions for the public comment process. Public comment will be available on each item on this agenda and during general public comment. Both channels 78 and sfgovtv.org are streaming the numbers across the screen. Each speaker will be allowed three minutes to speak. Comments or opportunity to speak during public comment period are available via phone call. During each public comment period, viewers and callers will be instructed to call 
0001, access code 2482-330-5501, pound, and then pound again. When connected, you will hear the meeting discussions, but you will be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up, dial star 3 to be added to the speaker line. Best practices are to call from a quiet location, speak clearly and slowly, and turn down your television or radio. You will have three minutes to speak. You will be informed by the moderator when you have 30 seconds left. After 30 seconds, you will be muted and placed back to listening mode. Alternatively, public comment can be submitted by email to ravi.dervige at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the commission and will be included as part of the official docket. Are there any other communications from DAS commission members? Okay, we can go on. Okay, thank you. Um, Commissioners, your next agenda item is agenda item four, approving the minutes of the Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022 DAS commission meeting. Are there any comments or questions from the commission regarding the Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022 DAS commission meeting minutes? see any so do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment moderator please open the phone line for public comment we allow some time for callers to submit their request moderator do we have any callers in the queue mr secretary there are no callers in the queue thank you and hearing no further requests to speak on this item, is there a motion to approve Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022, DOS Commission meeting minutes? Uh, I move. Okay, uh, moved by uh, Commissioner Bittner, seconded by Commissioner Jung. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve the Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022, DOS Commission meeting minutes? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Uh, well, we have a, we have a uh, vote. Great, we've passed the minutes, thank you. Um, Commissioner, your next item is agenda item five, resolution to hold an in-person meeting with some per members possibly appearing remotely. Are there any comments or questions from the commission regarding this resolution? And I'd like to note that both Commissioner Bittner and um, Commissioner Lum are joining us remotely today. Um, then uh, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on this item? Are there anyone in the public today that wishes to comment? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Great. Then hearing no further requests to speak on this item, is there a motion to approve agenda item five? Second. Commissioner Bittner has moved a second from Vice President Spears, uh, which is could we please uh, take a roll call vote to approve the resolution to hold an in-person meeting with some members possibly appearing remotely? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? God, yeah. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. We have a unanimous vote. 
Right, thank you, commissioners. Your next item is agenda item six. It's an authorization to allow third party presenters who are not city employees to attend the commission meeting virtually pending any California government code change or mayoral supplement to the emergency proclamation. Are there any comments or questions from the commission regarding this resolution? Seeing none, is there anyone from the public who wishes to comment? Do we have any, anyone in the public that wishes to comment? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Great, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, is there a motion to approve agenda item six? So moved. Vice President Spears has moved, a second from um, Commissioner Jung. Uh, can you, uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve the authorization to allow third party presenters who are not city employees to attend the commission meetings virtually pending any California government code change or mayoral supplement to the emergency proclamation? Vice President Martha Knutson, how do you, or President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. We have a unanimous decision. Great, thank you so much. And then commissioners item seven is the executive director's report. Welcome Kelly Dearman. Thank you. Um, good morning everyone. Um, in terms of federal updates, DOS joined speaker Nancy Pelosi, community partners and commissioner Bittner in the celebration of the 87th anniversary of the Social Security Act. As you all know, Social Security benefits are the bedrock that so many older adults and adults with disabilities rely on. Speaker Pelosi has been a champion in protecting Social Security, and it was a lovely event. For state updates, um, the governor's proposal to establish a system of care courts was approved in the state legislature last week, and San Francisco has been identified as one of the first counties that will implement the initiative by October 2023. The selected counties include Glen, Orange, Riverside, San Diego, Stanislaus, Tuolumne, and San Francisco. The rest of the state will implement by the start of 2024. CARE stands for Community Assistance, Recovery, and Empowerment, and it's an initiative that will develop a system of civil courts responsible for providing court-supervised and court-ordered behavioral health services in collaboration with local health departments and advocates who are assigned to assist individuals who are participating in care court. In San Francisco, care courts may benefit individuals with severe schizophrenia or other psychotic disorders who have not previously been able to voluntarily participate in treatment due to significant untreated systems, symptoms, excuse me, as well as barriers to access accessing behavioral health care, housing, and other social services. The CARE Courts program has a voluntary option in which eligible participants can opt into a CARE agreement. A court-ordered CARE plan may be put in place for eligible participants who decline to enroll voluntarily. In either case, the program includes person-centered approaches and access to comprehensive services and housing. The Department of Public Health will be developing and implementing this program in San Francisco. The state will be providing significant technical assistance to the counties. 
In the coming months, we should learn more about what the care courts will look like and how it might impact older adults, people with disabilities, and our network. In terms of local updates, I'm sure you all noticed the extreme heat. DOS has activated our emergency response protocol. We did this this past Friday for extreme heat events. Since then, we have been conducting wellness calls to individual clients who may be considered vulnerable or at risk. Our staff with IHSS, APS, Integrated Intake, Public Guardian, Public Conservator, Integrated Intake, and the Clinical and Quality Improvement Unit came together to make many phone calls to our clients or their support systems. As of this point, I've heard it's somewhere in the 800 number. Our community-based partners were also very active this weekend. In addition um, to checking in with their own clients, they helped us to push out mess messaging about best practices during extreme heat and the locations that the city opened as cooling centers. In terms of Laguna Honda, DOS is continuing to work with Laguna Honda to develop comprehensive care plans for a small number of residents who are being discharged on a voluntary basis to community settings. Laguna Honda continues to work towards achieving recertification. In the meantime, the Center for Medicare Med Medicaid Services, CMS, has allowed the facility to continue to participate on a temporary basis. Recently, CMS approved an additional two months of temporary funding for Laguna Honda. The facility now has until November 13th to recertify and regain their ability to participate in the Medicare and Medicaid programs. I also wanted to mention that I had the pleasure of attending the NAPSA, which is National Adult Protective Services Association, conference this past month. It was really fantastic and I learned a lot. Some of the big highlights for me were that it was an opportunity for me to connect with staff. And I just want to give a shout out to the APS staff. They're such a great team and obviously really engaged with their work. There were some great sessions, including one on demystifying dementia and the importance of brain health. And we also got to see the documentary, All the Lonely People, which um, is about loneliness. Um, and it was really good, and I'm hoping at some point, perhaps in collaboration with some of our CBOs, we can have a showing and discussion afterwards. We also found out that the people who made the documentary want their next project to be the heroes of APS. So um, now would be a good time for us to start thinking about who are the heroes of APS and maybe nominate them so that they might be in the next documentary. Last but certainly not least, I want to thank and congratulate um, Commissioner President Knudsen on the really wonderful article in the BAR, and we really appreciate you always lifting up DOS and the services that we provide, who we are, and the people that we serve. Thank you very much. Um, well, first of all, um, the article was a team effort. Um, I wouldn't write anything without the entire staff of DOS <laughs> making sure that I had it right. And so um, it was a quality article because of that. So thank you so much for um, helping me with it. And um, any questions from commissioners on a lot of work in the past month? Commissioner Durman, anything? Okay, any commissioners? Uh, Commissioner Lemmer, Bittner? Then. Yeah, I wanted to uh, buy some Kim Simmons about 
Um, Commissioner Bittner, I'm not sure I understood, but are you talking about the care courts? Yeah, I, I yeah. have some concerns about it that I know. Yes. And I've been wanting to talk to get going. I would like more information and, like, yeah, I just have some concerns. Um, I think when we know more information, we'll be able we'll be able to provide a more comprehensive presentation. But I also want to just be clear that it's Department of Public Health who's who's doing this, not yeah. DOS. So yeah. I won't have all of the answers. Um, but I agree with you that more information is needed, and all the information I have is the information that I gave today. But um, my promise to you is that we will keep you updated on it and when we can have a better presentation or when DPH is doing a presentation, I'll definitely loop you in to that. Yeah, definitely. And I hope that there will be people with disabilities as part of the discussion. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Thank you. So thank, thank you again. Um, we'll move on to employee recognition. Okay. Commissioners, item eight is the DOS employee recognition. Executive Director Dearman, President Knudsen, and the DOS Commission will honor Elvira L.V. Flaviano, who is a lead veterans claims representative at the Veterans Service Office. They'll be here. Yay. Well, first of all, congratulations. Um, Elvira Flaviano, L.V., has helped veterans and their family members for over 29 years. She has worked for veterans at the city, county, state, and federal level. LV started working with in the Veterans Service Office in 2013. This year, LV has served as the acting county veterans service officer during one of the busiest seasons in the history of the Veterans Service Office. She completed the semi-annual reports an important inspection process required by the state of California and made sure the reports were submitted accurately and on time. She has also been the only claims representative reviewing and approving an average of three college tuition fee waiver applications each day, granting the children of disabled veterans thousands of dollars in relief of student debt. LV has accomplished these monumental tasks on top of her regularly scheduled appointments with clients and while continuing to help walk-in clients with their needs. LV demonstrates her dedication to her team and to clients by arriving early, staying late, and offering to work weekends when needed. She uses the team chat to share helpful information on client insights and has taken time out of her schedule to train her fellow employees, making them feel valued and supported. LV improves the image and reputation of the Veterans Service Office and improves working conditions for her fellow teammates by always showing a positive attitude and working with purpose. She is a wonderful person to have on the team and will always be there when a veteran or her teammates need her help. LV recently helped an elderly veteran of the Vietnam War file a complaint for disability with the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. 
the veteran was granted a 100% disability rating by the VA, and he called the office to thank Elvie for her patience, saying, she knows how to explain things to me in a kind way to make sure I understand. Thanks to Elvie, the VA is now paying the veteran over $3,000 a month tax-free and providing dental care to the veteran at no cost. So thank you so much, Elvie, for all you do, and a huge congratulations from all of us. Yeah, I don't know if Commissioner Lum wanted to uh, thank the employee as she's with the Veterans Department. I don't know. I wanted to call on you if you I, wanted to. I just want to congratulate her. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I figured you would. And <laughs> I wanted to just join in with Commissioner Lum saying how important the veterans issues are important to this commission. And we have a commissioner that's dedicated just to those issues. And I think we've been raising those issues more because of that. And uh, you, again, are an unsung hero. So thank you. I'm glad to see this happening today. Uh, it feels like you're the person that probably everyone comes to when there's any issue or that's going to know the answer. And uh, I just know how valuable those people are in any department. So thank, thank you so much for, for the work you do. Thank you. Please. Um, Please. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Commissioners, um, Executive uh, Director Kelly Dearman. First of all, I would like to thank God for this honor. I know Divine Providence has, um, has um, something to do with me being here in San Francisco. And also, I would like to thank the persons who like, um, are instrumental for me having this, um, this award. Um, my CVSO, Elena Kim, and most especially, our very supportive um, Cindy Kaufman. Our, she's so supportive of our very tiny, uh, tiny office. And if you're not aware of it, we're just a, um, a group of five. So we recently be five because of our new CVSO, Elena Key. I would like to thank all of that. And also I would like to share this uh, award to my coworkers, John Gallagher, Maurice Delmer, Moises uh, Velasquez, and Elena Kim because we work as a team and uh, we would not survive if we are not um, helping each other with our, with our work. And um, I would like to thank my family, my motivation for doing this job. So some they say that um, if you have a, a job that you like, you will not work a single day. And for the, for the, um, for almost um, 10 years, I'm gonna be 10 years now. So I would say I am not working a single day because I enjoy the job that I do. I know I, um, I'm so happy because I am making a difference in the lives of these veterans. And I thank them all because without them, I will not have a job, I will not have a work. And I also would like to thank them for their generosity in offering their time to the service of our nation. Thank you all. Take a quick picture.
Ready to move on okay. to agenda item nine. Commissioners, item nine is the advisory council report presented by the advisory council president, Diane Lawrence. Um, you're muted. Thank you. I thought it was being prepared. Good morning, <laughs> Good morning. Commissioners, Executive Director Dearman and um, President Knudsen. Um, the Advisory Council met on August 17th, and um, we had um, a guest speaker, Dr. Carla Parasinoto, who is a professor of medicine in the Division of Geriatrics at UCSF. And her, she, Dr. Carla's involved in geriatrics and palliative care uh, for over a decade. And what she began to notice was uh, the impact on loneliness on health. And this became especially clearer during the pandemic. And I won't go into a lot of the um, detail because it's outlined in my uh, written report, but she's helped us understand the difference between loneliness and isolation, the work that the, um, uh, that other organizations are doing, um, Stanford in collaboration with ARP doing some studies. And she also mentioned that uh, one thing I thought that was very um, important is that health plans are looking into the topics of loneliness and isolation and their impacts on healthcare. Um, MetaFund, thank you, is funding more research in the area along with the Long Foundation and the National Institute of Health health and the um, she was at a recent meeting with the surgeon US Surgeon General and there's a report coming out in November that discusses loneliness and isolation so we look forward to when that report came up um, there were no LGBTQ updates um, at our August meeting but we did have another site visit um, this one is was of the YMCA on in the mission and again, um, I, my personal belief is our inclusion of website review and then looking at the um, facility in person where we can really is giving us some great insights from the consumer perspective, which is our role. Um, there are food distributions. The site is on mission uh, just off an overpass under which 280 passes. So it's a little noisy um, in, uh, when you're outside. Um, Tia noted when she went there that um, there wasn't any security at the, at the uh, door, which concerned her. Um, she met with the community, um, with the community services director. Um, we're kind of, if you've noticed, focusing not deliberately, it just seems to be happening on some of the whys. Um, and um, this one has a senior room, lots of handouts, interactive. There are exercise classes that are well attended. The languages um, of the participants are spoken for those classes, uh, pre predominantly Spanish, Tagalog, and monolingual Cantonese. There are no food services, although there's a program in the works with open hand. And the facilities have been uh, back open since um, June of 2020. And as we're seeing um, that uh, in many of these facilities, many of the clients at the various um, sites, the lack of use of technology is, uh, is low. 
Um, there was a comment made by um, that there is coordination between the Ys and along with DOS funding, so we'll keep that up. The, um, in light of that, with a member update, we did discuss Laguna Honda again. Um, District 4, uh, Representative Margaret Graff reported on the South Sunset Center, which is the only one in this portion of the district and in District 4 as well. It provides services under the auspices of self-help for the elderly, and we reported on that a couple of times. They have a new uh, mind body uh, exercise class under the umbrella of City College, and the Park and Rec has set aside $5 million for building upgrades some of this money is state funding uh, per um, assembly member Phil Ting's uh, recent newsletter, and there's a promise of a second site, but we're not sure where that is. Um, and being a resident of this neighborhood um, most of my life, I can tell you that center probably has not been updated since it was built, not a major update since it was built in the 1950s. Um, and at our next meeting, and on September 21st, our planned guest speaker is Shireen McSpadden, um, Executive Director of the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing. And that will probably do, that'll probably be the last of the guest speakers for the year, and then we'll uh, tie up the year with uh, more site visits and just housekeeping and elections. Uh, thank you. Any uh, comments or questions from commissioners? I I had one quick one. I hope when now that you're doing the site visits again, which is great news, and you mentioned especially the difficult, a little bit of difficulty getting using the website to to access knowledge about senior services. So if someone was trying to check out senior services, there was some difficulty there. That gets reported to staff at DOS, yes. so that is, do they work to correct those um, the re recommendations you make or something like that? I was just concerned that something yeah. gets done about that. Yes, the reports. So two things that are happening. One, if we were just doing the virtual site visit, um, we were then checking to make sure uh, that we spoke to somebody about the site about the website. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, what we're finding is, and, and both of the folks that have been doing the most of them recently go in with the idea of um, what is it that if I'm trying to help a client or a family member get services, what do I need to know? Mm -hmm. So there's always a discussion with the director uh, or the person we speak with at the site about what's going on um, and learning from those sites uh, that have very robust websites. A lot of it is funding, a lot of it is, um, you know, well, we don't provide it because nobody uses it, kind of forgetting that, um, looking at that oftentimes it's not just the, um, the person who would be going to the site, it might be a family member or a care facilitator that's helping them with it. And when the reports are done, Ravi, who's the keeper of all site visits, our archivist, if you will, and Mike Zog get copies of it. That's what I thought, yeah. As well. So, and then uh, from what uh, Mr. Zog has told us, he then shares it with the staff that are um, 
you know, assigned to that site or to that contract. Um, if you'll remember a recommendation we had pre-pandemic was one of the sites didn't have any heat and the pandemic came and shut it down. But in the meantime, somebody found out how to turn the heat on. Yeah. And uh, so I, I figure if we've done nothing else in the last couple of years, that was a big win. Yeah, no, I'm just, I remembered that too. And I, I wanted to bring that out again, that when you make yeah. those notes, we try to follow through on it. So thank you so much. Yeah, so they um, are. And um, from what Mr. Zagas told us, the, the, the department's finding them helpful and we're just excited to be doing them again. Good, That's, it means a lot. Um, then I think if there's no further questions or comments from other commissioners, we'll move on to the joint legislative report. Sure, I wanted to make one other quick question. Um, one of the other council members and I are gonna kind of focus on some of the self-help for the elderly programs, um, just so that we can um, kind of compare site to site, uh, kind of a little different approach. Uh, she's on vacation. And if there are any sites that any of the commissioners would like us to take a look at, please let me know. Or let Robbie know, and he'll let me know. Okay, thank you. Uh, commissioners, item 10 is the joint legislative report, also presented by the Advisory Council President, Diane Lawrence. Thank you. Um, good morning again. So the joint ledge committee met on August 17th, and the session is winding down. The, the governor has until the end of this month, September 30th, to sign or veto bills. And as we see in the newspaper every day, um, a number of them that are getting signed or not. Um, this is the second year of the two-year session. So if nothing happens to these bills, um, they will no longer be active. That doesn't mean they could not be reintroduced under a new name and a new number next year uh, when the new two-year session starts. Um, the committee uh, discussed whether or not to have a meeting, have meetings in November and December. Um, to not have meetings in November, December, as we've done in the uh, recent past, as there's no real legislative activity. It's in late October that CSL begins prioritizing its legislative priorities for next year, often looking to see what, what passed and what didn't pass. And um, we just decided not to do an October, a November, December, and neither will not do a November meeting nor will we do a December meeting. And the October meeting will be um, kind of up in the air, uh, will determine uh, closer to the date depending on where things stand um, at our September meeting with legislation. Um, I've listed in my report a number of bills that came out of suspense, that were in suspense in my July, June or July report, and now are back on the floor. And those include things like telehealth, um, the three-year pilot in, other, in some counties to reuse and redistribute durable med, medical equipment and other home health supplies, uh, Dementia Navigator, and the redefining of disability that develops before age 22, changing that from before age 18, there's kind of a gap in there. And then um, looking at multidisciplinary personnel teams, not out of suspense are the, the two bills on Alzheimer's, um, the Medi-Cal cost of share income limit, um, is not out of suspense, nor did the bridge to recovery for adult day services. And this was to help mitigate um, some of the things that were lost during the pandemic and to combat 
combat senior isolation. And then um, CSL has had five bills that were successful this year. Um, I'll detail those in my uh, next report. And um, I mentioned last month we ran into a problem filling one of our CSL seats and um, because of some changes in the election deadlines that I didn't understand. And um, it was reported to us that other CSLs, other AAAs ran into the same problem. Um, and that happened to some of the current members. So there's still some confusion over the deadline and they're working on that. And we reviewed our letter of support timeline and we will meet on September 21st. Or questions from commissioners on the legislative bills? Okay. None. Thank you then. Um, we could hear from the case report, item 11. Commissioners, item 11 is the case report presented by Daniel Gallagher. It's here. Welcome, Mr. Gallagher. <laughs> Good morning, commissioners and executive chairman. Nice to see you all. Um, I'll be brief in my report, uh, but I'll uh, talk about. Uh, case programming and activities and uh, some advocacy efforts. Uh, in August, as I mentioned in our last meeting, uh, Michael Liao of NICOS presented um, on cultural humil humility and caring. Um, it was really a terrific presentation, by the way, uh, very relevant um, and, and, and well-received amongst the membership. I did include two sh uh, links to short videos in the electronic version to you and they're really reflective of that presentation. Uh, in September, our September meeting will include a quarterly meeting of the service provider working group. Uh, Melissa McGee and Dostoff uh, will be uh, present to provide an overview of the service allocation plan, uh, the process, timeline, and the uh, CNA findings and recommendations in that meeting. Uh, hopefully we'll have enough time, I think we've worked it out at this point, um, where we can uh, have the service provider working group provide enough feedback and offer their input on the findings and recommendations of the CNA uh, in context of the uh, service and allocation plan. And then in October, um, we will relinquish our case meeting as it conflicts with the uh, the oversight and advisory committee meeting, and uh, we want our service provider working group members to attend the OEC meeting on October 17th. In terms of activities, uh, we have an ongoing uh, discussion group led by Arts with Elders, and Arts with Elders is looking to uh, raise the profile of the importance of, of creative um, uh, aging and, and how arts plays a role in that. Um, they, uh, of course, are looking to increase state and local funding for that, uh, government funding as well, and also um, to increase senior communities' priority of funding for those kinds of services. And lastly, they want to assess and address the challenges um, that, uh, that goes along with providing creative programming. And we all know some of those challenges are with hybrid, hybrid programming now. Uh, we continue to talk about that. Um, CASE has an ongoing survey for its current membership providers to update what their, um, their services are currently. 
um, so we can help the membership with referrals and outreach uh, to their, to their uh, participants as well. And then lastly, we uh, continually uh, survey our membership uh, for topics for current presentations and programming. I'll put in a, uh, an ongoing plug for the Dignity Fund Coalition uh, proposal um, that obviously fell short of the $3.5 million a year uh, for um, uh, the hybrid programming and, um, and the needs of, of, of bridging the digital divide. Um, but uh, there is a, uh, Dignity Fund did receive a $200,000 add back to the Board of Supervisors. Um, and uh, we're still looking at, I believe, about a million dollars from the state that DOS is looking at at this point in time. Um, so we're hopeful that will add um, to that funding. And then lastly, uh, uh, we're working with, with DOS, Mike Zog in particular, uh, to uh, take a look of, of, or at least getting some membership input on the needs for equipment and, and IT for the $75,000 that was appropriated, appropriated for hybrid programming. So that's uh, on our to-do list with DOS. And that concludes my report. Any questions or comments from commissioners on this report? Okay, and thank you. No, yeah. Thank you. Commissioners, item 12 is public comment, an opportunity for members of the public to address the commission on matters that are not on today's calendar. Are there any members of the public that would like to address the commission today? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Commissioners, your next item is item 13, old business. Commissioners, please indicate by raising your hand if there's any old business that you'd like to discuss. And on WebEx? Okay, commissioners, the next agenda item is item 14, new business. Oh, that's you. That's fine, yeah, go <laughs> ahead. Um, the next item is item 14, new business. The first item is informational only. Items 14B and 14G are action items that will require a vote by the commission. Uh, 14A, presentation of the DOS fiscal year 22-23 schedule for requests for proposals and contract renewals. This is an information only item and staff uh, Steve King Kim and Sarah Chan will be presenting the item, and thank you uh, for waiting so long this morning, and now we can get started, so welcome. Good morning, Commissioners, Executive Director Duren. My name is Steve Kim, Contract Manager for Human Services Agency, Office of Contract Management. With me today is my colleague, Sarah Chan, from DOS, Office of Community Partnerships. We are here today, this morning, to present the four-year Dignity Fund Cycle, as well as the uh, fiscal year 22-23 uh, RFP uh, and the contract renewal process. Every year, contracts and program um, work together to um, develop this uh, schedule. Um, this schedule uh, gives an overview of what we are working on and what we'll be bringing to the commission for approval. 
at, uh, I will at this point uh, pass along to uh, uh, my colleague for details about the program. Good morning, Commissioner, President Knudsen, and Executive Director Dearman. Uh, my name is Sarah Chen, and I'll share with you in front of you the slide is the contract schedule timeline that align with the four-year Dignity Fund funding cycle. And on the first line, you can see that is the planning activity. Last year, we have completed a community needs assessment. And for this fiscal year, the department will be developing our service allocation plan. And along on this table and on the following table, you can see there's a three contract cycles which are based on service areas. And below the table, you'd see there's an asterisk. That is indicating there's a procurement process. So as you can see that our department is currently in, in the eighth contract cycle procurement process for contracts that will start fiscal year 23-24. Cycle A service covers areas of case management, care navigation, community connection, and engagement. And in the following slides, we will present these contracts in groups that will be released for request for proposal, renewals, and source source. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. Okay. And share with you in front of you is the list of requests for proposals or RFPs for fiscal year 22-23. And the next four slides, you will see a continuing list of the RFPs being released this fiscal year. These programs are either new programs or existing programs that are expiring and require a new procurement. And in total, the department has 29 RFPs scheduled for this fiscal year. We have a really busy year in, ahead of us. And the en entries listed here, including the program name, the month in which the contract plans on releasing the RFPs to the public, and the month in which the contract plans to bring the items to the commission for approval. Although the dates are tentative here, and could possibly change, and the department will try to stick with this schedule as much as possible. And the RFP process takes approximately about three months from the time when the department issues the RFP to the time we bring the item to commission for approval. The last side set of the RFP will be issued in March with a tentative commission date in June. When the RFPs are released, vendors can find RFP information on the SF City Partner website and the local paper. We also do a direct mailing to all DAS service providers to let them know about the opportunity. And on this slide, I will just uh, highlight a couple new programs from this list. First on the list is the American Rescue Plan Act funded programs. American Rescue Plan is a federal funding to support local government to recover from COVID pandemic. RFP number 1031 was released last month, 
And following the list is the exciting Disability Community Cultural Center. A program will provide dedicated, welcome place, place where people with disability can gather and develop a shared culture. The center will provide educational, artistic, and social networking opportunities and will bring diverse people with disability together to access resource, advance social justice, and foster disability culture and community and pride. And ahead of us in November is a very busy month. There are a total of 10 RFPs um, scheduled being released. And including on this uh, slide is the new program, New Dignity Fund program, caregiving, support, and outreach. Next slide, please. And on this slide, following on this slide, are um, RFPs will be released in November. And I will just highlight the Peer Ambassador Program. The Peer Ambassador Program is a program designed to promote wellness, uh, a, a wellness of service coordinated and funded by the department. And in this pro program, older adults and adults with disability are hired to disseminate information and collateral about DAS and DAS-funded program and services. And this peer ambassador program is also a district um, specific, operating in four districts that uh, where the service utilization is at low rates. And in response to the rise in anti-Asian crime, uh, hate crime in the community, the peer ambassador program also includes a senior escort programming which provides escort services to seniors who feel unsafe or uncomfortable in public without accompaniment. Next slide, please. And then continue on this slide, we see November, more November and December. Intergeneration programming um, provide meaningful opportunities for older adults to connect in their community. The program helps foster increased interactions among different age groups and leads to greater respect, understanding, and inclusion across age and community. Intergenerational programs have shown great impact on reducing loneliness, increasing social connection, and making participants feel they are a valued member of their community. Next slide, please. Moving along this list for December and January. Again, in January, we have a, another busy month ahead of us. And from the list, you see there are some big RFP groups, community services, consists of activity services that maintain or improve the quality of life of participants. Activities and services focus on the physical, social, psychological, economic, educational, recreational, and creative needs of older adults and adults with disability. Prior to COVID pandemic, these activities and services were mainly inside based community centers, which are some examples 
Dr. George Davis Senior Center, Mission Neighborhood Center, um, 30th Street uh, Senior Center, Jackie Chan Senior Center. Those are just some examples. But since COVID pandemic, services and programs are delivered in person and via telephone virtually over internet and through other effective means of communication and connection. We see provider dropping off care packet at the participant's home, very creative. Next slide, oh, I'm sorry. Um, there's also one on the previous list, the SF Connected program. It's also a, a very uh, important program I want to highlight. SF Connected program provide free digital literacy training and support to older adults and adults with disability. The objective is to improve the quality of life and independence of older adults and adults with disability by bridging the digital divide. Prior to COVID pandemic, SF Connected services were offered at more than 50 technology labs in all districts throughout the city and county. Since the pandemic, services are available both virtually and in person. In fiscal year 21-22, the program served over 2,100 and duplicate older adults and adults with disability, provided over 15,000 hours of digital literacy training and 2,300 hours of technical support, helping participants to connect to internet to, to get their own this device. And on this last slide, uh, the last RFP slide, I would like to highlight the first three. The San Francisco LGBT Aging Policy Task Force was convened in 2012 by the Board of Supervisors to evaluate the needs of LGBTQ plus older adults to assess the capacity of current support system to meet those needs and to make a recommendation to address any unmet needs. In response to the task force recommendation, new programming has been established to address social isolation in the LGBTQ plus older adults and adults with disability community. On this list, you see the isolation prevention services, animal bonding programming, care navigation and peer support. Those are examples of this effort. These three pro programs utilize a service delivery model based on care navigation and peer support volunteers for delivering of the important services and resources. So at this time, I would like to pass back to my colleague, Steve, to talk about the following two slides of renewals and source source options. Thank you, Sarah. I guess uh, we'll be very busy with almost 30 RPs this year. In addition to, we'll also have a couple of renewal processes this year. Uh, you see the uh, MIPA high cap renewal actually, which is on the agenda today, as well as uh, two conservator um, public conservator transportation services contracts that will be renewed. And uh, renewals are typically uh, conducted when they're uh, specified as part of the original RFP as an option for renewals. 
this is the, uh, the source source uh, options uh, planned for this year. We have public distributor, public uh, guardianship, uh, software uh, licensing maintenance services. This is a uh, solution that our uh, group department has, the city has been using for past uh, almost over 10 years that are very, very customized for our needs, various services that we were being provided for the conservatorship and guardianship. And the other uh, uh, source source is the uh, senior companion program, which is planned for uh, April uh, for commission timeframe. Source source um, does not require a, uh, a solicitation process. However, as part of the source source process, we must uh, get approval following the city guidelines for source source according to city administrative codes. At this point, we're available to answer any questions that you may have. Questions from commissioners on this schedule? No, just a big thank you to yeah. see what's upcoming and when it's coming. Mm -hmm. So really Thank you very that. much for your time and today. It's just very important that we see all of these reports that come forward to us and we approve and set such high uh, chief, uh, agenda, you know, um, goals and objectives, and then to see this, how this is all going to flow out through the contracting process uh, is just very helpful for us to understand how it's being implemented. So thank you. And we can pretty much uh, say, yep, we need to meet every month <laughs> uh, so that we'll, and we know what, how this all fits into the frame. So I, I look forward to this when you do it. I really appreciate the, the, the presentation. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward right. to coming back. Okay. All right. Good luck with that. And I'm sorry, we're supposed to ask for public comment, I believe. Yes, are there men, any members of the public? So you stay up here. Yeah, right. Are, are there any members of the public that would like to comment on the DOS FY 2022-23 schedule for requests for proposals and contract renewals? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on the DOS FY 22-23 schedule for requests and proposal and contract renewals. Will allow some time for callers to submit the request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Thank you. Hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. And now, Commissioners, um, items 14B and 14G are action items that require a vote by the Commission. Uh, item 14B is requesting a vote by the Commission uh, to reappoint DOS Advisory Council President Diane Lawrence and Advisory Council Member Kay Parekh to the DOS Advisory Council for two-year terms. And I just want to say it is with my utmost pleasure that we're requesting this vote and appreciation that uh, both of these uh, members have uh, uh, offered their services for an additional two-year term. Um, so are there any uh, comments or questions from the commission before we move on this? All right. Um, and do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item 14B? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item B? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item 14B. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their queue, to submit their requests. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you so much. All right. Um, do we have a motion from the commissioners? From uh, Commissioner Bittner. Second. And a second from Vice President Spears. Um, can we have a roll call vote then? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Y. Spears, how do you vote? Yes. 
Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. And we really do appreciate your service and continuing service. So thank you very, very much. Um, Our next agenda item is C and requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with the Institute on Aging for the provision of temporary respite caregiver support program during the period of September 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2026 in the amount of $3,137,948 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $3,000,000 $451,743. And Erica Maybaum will be presenting this item. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning, commissioners. Good morning, Executive Director Dearman. My name is Erica Maybaum, and I'm a program analyst for the Office of Community Partnership. Uh, thank you for your time today. Before you is a new grant request for the Institute on Aging for the Temporary Respite Caregiver Support Program. This is a program funded by the Dignity Fund. Institute on Aging is an organization that currently holds numerous contracts and many longstanding grants with DOS. However, this temporary respite caregiver support program would be a new grant awarded to IOA. Respite care is designed to reduce caregiver burden. As we all know, caregivers play an instrumental role in preventing or delaying the need for higher level of care for the care receiver. In order for this to be a successful partnership, caregivers must be given the resources and support not only to take care of the care recipient, but to, but to take care of their own physical and mental health. The purpose of this grant is to assist San Francisco residents who are unpaid caregivers of older adults or, or adults with disabilities by providing respite and to expand caregiver support services for these unpaid caregivers. Respite services will be provided in the care recipient's home, at an adult day center, or at other respite locations throughout San Francisco. Through a caregiver assessment and subsequent home visit, the grantee will determine the type and amount of respite that best suits the needs for the caregiver. If the caregiver chooses IOA's adult day, care, day, adult day center as a respite option, the care receiver will have door-to-door -door transportation. In addition to respite, IOA will also offer caregivers access to one-on-one -on -one support and services such as virtual support groups, group education. Caregivers can request that IOA support uh, to facilitate family meetings, um, as well as information sharing and referrals to other caregiver supports resources. In addition, clients who would like additional individualized support from staff for specific concerns related to caregiving will have the opportunity to work with IOA's care coaches who will support the caregiver with individualized care plans, including supports such as wellness checks and skill building to respond to caregiver challenges. In the initial year, IOA will serve at least 125 unduplicated clients, in this case, the caregivers, and 175 annually in subsequent years. This will amount to 9,600 hours of respite in year one and 16,750 hours each subsequent year through fiscal year 25-26. 
This grant also requires that IOA to conduct caregiver satisfaction surveys to determine if the services are meeting the needs of the caregivers. As mentioned, this will be a new grant for IOA. However, they have a wealth of experience working with and supporting older adults and adults with disabilities, including some programs that currently support caregivers. Should you approve today, IOA's implementation of the Temporary Respite Caregiver Support Grant will enable caregivers to take advantage of respite and resources. This will allow them to be a caregiver, but also have access to the respite and support services so they can take care of their own well-being. Thank you for your time today, and I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Thank you very much. Do we have any questions from questions? Uh, Commissioner Jim, yeah. Just a com comment and a question. Uh, my comment is um, I think this is a really comprehensive uh, grant, uh, very inclusive. It covers um, um, many areas uh, that's going to meet the needs. Uh, my question is uh, what about outreach? How will people learn about uh, this program? What about outreach? Yeah. How will people learn that this service is available through IOA? So I, I work closely with the program manager at IOA. Um, I am sure that they're going to do outreach through all their other programs. Outreach, they're also uh, working closely. Um, they've been connected with um, the former grantee, um, Family Caregiver Alliance, so they're working closely with them to help do, do outreach as well. And I can follow up um, more specifically with their outreach plan if you're interested. Great. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, actually, I had the same question. Just because it sounds like a new new program, uh, hopefully more people are going to be helped by this than in the city. So we'd just be interested in knowing how people will learn about it. So I will check in with them and follow up with you. Okay. Absolutely. Questions or comments about this program? All right. Do we have any public comment then? Public who was just to comment on agenda item C. Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item C? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item C. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Great, thank you. Hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item C? So move from Commissioner Jung, a second. From second. Vice President Spears, um, could we please have a roll call vote to approve item C? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Y. Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. We have a unanimous vote. Thank you, commissioners. The next order of business is agenda item D, requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with self-help for the elderly for the provision of California Department of Aging Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program Education, known as SNAP-Ed, during the period of May 1st, 2022 to September 30th, 2022. 22, in the additional amount of $73,502 plus a 10% contingency for a total grant amount not to exceed $217,623. And uh, Tiffany Kearney will be presenting this item. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning, uh, President Knudsen, Commissioners, and Executive Director Dearman. 
My name is Tiffany Kearney. I'm the lead nutritionist for DOS. This morning, I am seeking the Commission's approval to modify a grant agreement with Self-Help for the Elderly, which is um, or for SNAP-Ed, which is short for Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program Education. It's a bit of a mouthful. Uh, SNAP-Ed is a program under CalFresh that promotes healthy, active lifestyles through nutrition education, health promotion, and policy improvements. Self-Help, as our lead agency, helps us provide SNAP-Ed in the community for DOS, commu or for DOS consumers through our network of community partners. Using our allocation of SNAP-Ed funding from the state, our nutrition partners are able to tailor their health promotion activities to meet the needs and interests of their clients. For example, some of our nutrition partners use uh, SNAP-Ed funding to maintain vegetable and herb gardens because their clients like um, to learn nutrition education through gardening. We have other nutrition partners that use SNAP-Ed funding to provide cooking demonstrations because they found that their clients like to learn um, how to prov provide um, and make healthy meals and snacks. We have other nutrition partners who like, um, who like to use their SNAP-Ed funding for programs like Tai Chi and Bingo Size, and those classes are made available through SNAP-Ed funding. The funding we are asking um, to add to the grant today will support nutrition education and health promotion activities at community sites that serve DOS consumers who are veterans, and it will also enhance the variety of SNAP-Ed activities our partners provide currently. So thank you for your time, and I'm happy to answer any questions you might have at this time. Um, thank you. Do we have any uh, questions from commissioners? I have a question. Uh, yeah. Um, Ms. Kieran, I'm just a little puzzled by this modification. I noticed that the modifications for the period that's already passed May 1st through the end of this month. Um, yeah. has, so have the services already been provided? Yes, to some extent, yeah, they have. Um, they, um, we actually received this funding from the state um, back in April, but it took a little bit of time for us to get a signed contract from CDA. So was, CDA was sort of backlogged with their signed contracts. So, um, but yeah. They, a lot of them have, have started already. Okay, all right, thank you. Uh-huh. Well, th thank you for asking for that clarification. I had a question. When it's a um, SNAP-Ed eligible site, does that mean a person needs to be eligible for SNAP-Ed in order to get these services that are provided? Yes, yes, but it's, um, it's a specific percentage which is escaping me at the moment. It might be like 50% or more of the clients that are enrolled at that particular site um, need to be SNAP-Ed eligible, which most of our sites are. And, and I guess what I'm asking is if someone isn't SNAP-Ed eligible but they attend that site, would they be offered these services? Yes, they All can right. still, they can still um, participate in services. I, I thought so. I just wanted yeah. to see that, yeah. was, that was correct. And then could you tell again, because there was a line item for veterans and BIPOC community support on 
part of that grant, and, and then you indicated in your remarks, this is, uh, tell how that is. Yeah, so um, we, um, several months back, we um, reached out to Swords to Plowshare, um, because some of their sites are not, um, some are and some aren't meal sites, and so we reached out to them um, to ask them if they would be interested in participating in SNAP, in SNAP-Ed. Um, uh, education and they were so that's sort of our partner that we're um, that we're going to be working with or self-help will be working with to deliver um, snap ed education at those uh, sorts to plowshare sites okay. so they're an additional yes yeah okay. yeah Great. and then can you say anything about the BIPOC uh, yeah um, we've we have um, through the allocation process we have been working with sites that serve um, have a particular like focus on serving members of the BIPOC community and sort of providing them with additional funding to do um, to do you know sort of more robust activities through the re through the rest of this um, this federal fiscal year. Okay, great. No, thank you for that uh -huh. clarification. Yeah. I appreciate it. Uh, any other questions or comments from commissioners? Otherwise, we'll call for public comment. Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item D? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item D. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Hearing Thank no you. further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item D from commissioners? So moved. Uh, from uh, Vice President Spears, a second. second. From Commissioner Jung. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item D? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janice Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great, thank you so much, commissioners. The next order of business is agenda item E and also requires a vote by the commission. It is to review and approve the Department of Aging Medicare Improvements for Patients and Providers Act, known as MIPA, contract MI 2223 06, the associated budget and all subsequent amendments. It's requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with self help for the elderly for the provision of health insurance counseling and advocacy program known as HICAP to include these funds for MIPA program administration for the period of September 1st, 2022 through August 31st, 2023 in the additional amount of $84,792 with a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $93,271. And Erica Maybaum is here again. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome. Good morning again, Commissioners, Director Dearman, again, Erica Maybaum, um, Program Analyst for Office of Community Partnership. The item before you is a request to approve the California Department of Aging Medicare Improvements for Patients and Providers, aka MIPA, contract. These are dollars that the California Department of Aging usually allocates once or twice a year um, to fund outreach and engagement for enrollment in low-income subsidies and the Medicare Savings Plan. The low income subsidies is tied to the Medicare Part D, the prescription drug benefit to help meet premiums and co-pays. The Medicare Savings Plan, MSP, are 
to help cover Medicare Part A and Part B premiums. These funds have historically been added to our HICAP program, which is a Medicare counseling and advocacy program, and have worked really well in that model. Self-Help for the Elderly is the contractor that administers the HICAP program, and the MIPA program outreach and targeting fits well within the HICAP program, as Self-Help has both the institutional knowledge and the language capacity, as well as the networks within the community to get the information out and engage consumers about these benefits. Self-Help, both historically this year and in the past, has met or surpassed all their contract deliverables. They also pivoted during COVID in order to identify new clients and form new and enhanced partnerships with organizations such as Meals on Wheels, um, Independent Living Resource Center. They started to attend meetings with organizations that serve the Latino and LBGTQ populations. So your approval today will allow us to do two things. It will execute the contract with the California Department of Aging and subsequently modify agreements with our high, cop, high cap contractor to add these dollars and administer the MIPA program. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Thank you. Are there any questions from commissioners on this item? No? Okay. Um, and then... Seeing none from our remote participants, um, should we call for public uh, comment on item E? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item E? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item E. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Okay, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item E from commissioners? I move. From, uh, Commissioner Bittner has moved. We have a second. Commissioner Jung. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item E? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janice Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great. Thank you. Uh, commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item F and also requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with the Family Caregiver Alliance, FCA, for provision of respite and additional services for the period of July 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2023 in the additional amount of $160,000 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $3,958,872. And again, here's Erica Maybaum who will be presenting the item. One last time, good morning, Commissioners and Director Dearman. And for the record, my name is still Erica Maybaum, Program Analyst for the Office of Community Partnership. So this item before you for consideration is a budget modification for $160,000 for the Family Caregiver Alliance. The budget modification will allow FCA to provide up to 2,000 hours of additional respite grants for new requests for in-home respite an additional 35 hours of caregiver counseling services, which depending on COVID and the comfort level of the caregiver uh, could be in person, virtual, via phone, or a hybrid um, model, as well as outreach and follow-up with an additional 30 caregivers. 
This funding, the funding for this budget modification is, for, is from year one funds not requested by the just approved grantee of the Caregiver Support Temporary Respite Program and Dignity Fund Savings. This one-time funding will cover new respite requests and new caregiver services requested prior to the execution of the Caregiver Support Temporary Respite Grant and as um, IOA kind of onboards and ramps up their program. FCA provides high quality respite services and has held the respite grant for many years. FCA has historically met or exceeded all deliverables and the department is confident that they can provide these additional services in the interim. The additional services and respite provided will maintain the respite intention of the funds and will allow the new grantee for the temporary respite grant time to initiate and ramp up their program. So thank you so much and if you have any questions, I'm available to you. Are there any questions from commissioners? I just have a question. If, if you can kind of help me connect it on. So <laughs> I'm understanding this basically is going to help fund services until IOA picks, uh, begin their program. Is that kind of how I'm, is that Cor correct? Correct. So it's the department's priority that there's never a gap in services right, for right. Uh, any clients, in this case the caregiver. So any new requests that come in um, in the interim as IOA ramps up, FCA will be able to serve those caregivers. Okay, great. Thank you. And can you shed any light on the transition from one contract provider to another? Is it from uh, FCA to IOA? Sure. There... So uh, RFP uh, 992 was released. Um, and, you know, the RFP process is open and unbiased. And uh, panelists score the proposals individually. Um, in the case of this uh, RFP, IOA handedly scored the highest of all the proposals. Um, and so the recommendation um, that you just voted on on 14C was to award F, uh, IOA the grant. Um, and so, but as stated, you know, with any new grantee um, or a returning, um, a grantee that is reawarded, you know, the department's uh, priority is to not have any gaps in those services. So in this case, uh, FCAs can provide that um, can provide those services while IOA starts the starts their program. And so it seems like with the dates proposed, FY 23-24, we will have two service providers providing respite care until IOA takes over fully in 24-20. If I'm looking at the two grants correctly. So the this FCA grant, the budget modification. Um, it is part of a, um, a grant that does additional support services and a small aspect of it is the respite and so that's why we're uh, the recommendation oh, okay. is to add to the respite aspect of this grant. Um, but the temporary respite grant, the one that was awarded to IOA is a separate, separate grant. Got it. So the at the F. I'm sorry. I'm just want to make sure I understand this. No, it is confusing. before I vote. Um, so the Family Caregiver Alliance part of the grant that goes through 23-24 is actually for different services than the respite. There's a small portion is respite, but yes, it's for a lot more um, of the support services. Okay, got it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Very helpful. Thank you. Thank you, commissioners. Any other questions from commissioners? Then we will um, call for public comment. 
Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on an agenda item F? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item F. We allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item F from commissioners? So move. Vice President Spears in a second. Second from Commissioner John. Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item F? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Right. Thank you, Commissioners. The next order of business is Agenda Item G and requires a vote by the Commission. It is requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with Unlock Day Services for the provision of health promotion, self-management of chronic health conditions program for the period of September 1st, 2022 to June 30th, 2023 in the additional amount of $105,516 plus a 10% contingency for a revised total amount not to exceed $1,064,989. And uh, Tiffany uh, Kearney will be presenting this item. Welcome again. <laughs> Hello again, Commissioners, Executive Director Dearman. Uh, again, I'm Tiffany Kearney, the lead nutritionist for DOS. I am seeking your approval to modify Onlock's grant agreement for evidence-based programming on self-management of chronic health conditions. Our Older Americans Act Title 3D, Disease Prevention and Health Promotion Funding from the state supports this grant, and we recently received additional one-time only funding through the American Rescue Plan to strengthen Title 3D programming in the community. Currently, Onlock provides two evidence-based um, programs through this grant. The first is chronic disease self-management, and the second is diabetes empowerment education. Both programs focus on education and tools to help participants better manage their chronic health conditions. Participants learn skills such as uh, creating behavior change goals and coping strategies to manage their chronic diseases. Based on consumer surveys and feedback, Onlock learned that while consumers really liked and valued their current programs, they also wanted access to more programs, and chronic pain management was a frequent request. Chronic pain is a common condition and a common reason why people seek medical care. Chronic pain can negatively affect a person's quality of life, and for older adults in particular, there are increased incidents of adverse health outcomes such as functional impairment, falls, depression, and sleep disturbances. This one-time only American Rescue Act funding provides us with an opportunity to expand the variety of evidence-based programming to meet the needs of consumers. With the added funding, Onlock will include a chronic pain self-management course in their licensing agreement with the Self-Management Resource Center. They will train staff 
recruit and train instructors, and acquire the necessary materials to provide the new program. So instead of OnLock providing only two program options, they will be able to offer three program options this year and in future years. OnLock will also conduct outreach to promote the new program. They will continue to provide programming virtually and in person, and they will continue to collaborate with community partners to offer the programs at locations throughout the city and in multiple languages, including English, Spanish, and Chinese. Thank you again for your time and consideration, and I am happy to um, answer any questions you might have about this modification. Questions, comments from commissioners on this item? I have a question. Sure. Ms. Kearney, I, um, if I'm reading this uh, document correctly, basically the modification asking for uh, a little over $100,000 is for 10 workshops, is that correct, for chronic ma pain management? That's what we're basically, yeah. okay. I mean, it's it's for the workshops, but it's a lot of the, I mean, the $100,000 is also like the onboarding process of, you know, bringing on the new program, training staff, the materials, et cetera. Okay. Uh, do we know, are they basically hiring new st additional staff to, to cover these 10 additional workshops, or is it training existing staff to also run these workshops? Um, it would be uh, training existing staff, maybe also, um, you know, maybe using some hours of current staff, you know, like maybe a few, you know, more hours in someone's day to to do part of the project management. All right, and then I, just in, in terms of clarification, under um, contract, under the service objectives, the numbers that are listed, um, these, these numbers, um, are they inclusive of the 10 additional workshops or is the 10 on top of this? No, it's, it's inclusive. One of the, um, and the reason why that is, is because um, through the pandemic, the, the same programs have been running for the last like two years. And in, in many ways, the program kind of needs a little bit of a refresh and to get some new, um, new programming out to existing clients as well as, um, as, well as outreach to, old, you know, to, to new clients, if that makes sense. So, okay. Um, yeah. Okay. okay, yeah. Great, thanks for clarifying. Um, any other questions from commissioners? Commissioner Lum. Commissioner Lum, yeah. Uh, good morning. Good you morning. You mentioned that a, this is a one-time grant. So how will the, the these uh, additional programs be funded in the future? Um, thank you for your question. That's a good question. And that's one of the other reasons why the service objectives are not changing like this fiscal year because the the pro the funding in and of itself is really to support uh, the onboarding of the new program this year. And um, once that happens, then um, they still will have the same um, baseline budget to provide Again, instead of the two programs, the three programs, and the, you know, might be split up a little bit differently. So, instead of um, you know, 15 um, chronic disease self-management courses and 15 deep, it might be 10, 10, and 10, depending on sort of 
you know, as they go through the grant, kind of depending on consumer feedback and what the needs are. Did I answer you. your question? Yes. Okay, thanks. And, and I guess also would we look towards in the same way uh, for funding in the future as you adapt the program? So this is funded through the, um, the federal programs, yeah. right? And yeah. they're designated to, for these types of programs. So yeah. hopefully that, that would be where we would get the funding in the future. It, yeah, I mean, addition, we typically... I understand it's combined always, but yeah. But. Yeah, it's uh, the, the American Rescue, um, the American Rescue Plan Act funding, like that is the one-time sort of pot of money, but the Title 3D uh, disease prevention, that's something that we, it, it does flex a little bit, but it's generally around the same amount, and sometimes if we're lucky, it's a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, yeah. thank you. Hopefully that also clarifies. Any other questions from commissioners on this? Very important program. <laughs> I think many of us know people who are suffering from this, and it, it, any these programs are very yeah. highly valued when we can get them out into the community. So it's great. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay, then in, if there's no other commissioner comment, are there any uh, public comments on this item G? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item G? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item G. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Okay, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion from commissioners to approve item G? Um. <laughs> okay, we've got a, a first for, uh, moved by Vice President Spears and second by Commissioner Jung. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item G? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah. I've... Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great, thank you so much. Um, are there any announcements from anybody at this point? All right, um, then I, again, thank you for everyone's patience. We were gonna have this meeting no matter what, what we needed to do, and today we had to move rooms. So thank you for the staff, uh, for all your, as always, excellent preparation and patience. And uh, thank you so much for the technical know-how that went into figuring all this out today. And thank you for all the people who uh, attended remotely, uh, waiting patiently for us to uh, achieve connectivity. So <laughs> I'm going to adjourn. <laughs> <I would try. laughs>